thousand smiles for me today? I love seeing smiles. It lightens my my countenance, I suppose, to knowing that you're happy and that you're enjoying the morning so far and the presence of the Lord is here with us. Amen? You know, I've eagerly been awaiting sharing this message with you. I've been wondering when the Holy Spirit wanted me to share it and today's the day. And uh, it's, it's, it's very encouraging knowing that he's leading us on a journey. Amen? Last week we had, uh, we commemorated Anzac Day. We, we remember that, where we, we looked at some of the stories of the Anzacs and how the Lord was bringing us together uh, um, in the sense of uniting us as, a, as, a, as an army, as a force for him. Do you remember? I was talking about that last week. Yeah? It sounds like you don't remember. I don't know. But to me, I, I remember it, that, that he's uniting us under one banner, the banner of Jesus, amen, for the one cause, which is to see the kingdom of God advance. Someone say, come on for me, please. I mean, that's, to me, that's, that's amazing. And you might remember I declared something last week about this particular room. Do you remember what that was? Oh, who said that? There we go, right there. Well done, Carla. I declared that this was a war room and it was a place where we come and we strategically uh, battle in worship and we come to pray and we come to storm the heavens and, and we get this word this morning from Rowan about how God is breaking through with a mighty sword and that which has been holding back individuals and that which is holding back the things of God, is, it's just, it's got to go, right? That the light shines through and his glory is here and it's come. And I, I, I just love that fact. It's a place where we come, we come expectant to hear of God's strategies for our city and expectant to hear of God's strategies to break through in our lives the things that we're struggling with. And you know, I was really encouraged because... You know, I didn't just have Carla just say that, remember that I called this the war room. During the week, Pastor Rodney did a heap of work on putting together some new documents and you see them on the wall around our, our uh, escape or our evacuation plan. I don't want anyone to escape right now. But our evacuation plans of, for the school and the church and how, how we're supposed to go if there was an emergency. Well, praise God, the only emergency that's going to be is the Holy Spirit turning up, all right? But... If you go and have a look on your way out, you might have a little chuckle because on that drawing right there on the back wall, he's named this room the War Room. And I was just like so encouraged. My, Pastor Micah and I were just down there and we looked at that and we're just like, come on, this is so good. This is really cool. You know, Pastor Rodney caught it and my prayer is that we all catch that. That we don't just turn up to church because it's, it's something that we have to do, you know, to, to make it look like that we're a Christian. But we turn up to church because it's duty, right? That we're called together as an army of God. And, and it's the place where we're not only encouraged, but we're equipped. Yeah? To me, that's what, what it's all about. And, uh, and as I think about equipping, that's why I'm so... Uh, look, it might come across a little bit slower later on, but I'm pumped for this message because this message is all about equipping. And if we don't approach this topic from the perspective of that God is equipping us and has equipped us with everything that we need, then we're going to miss what is so important in Scripture. So the Lord has led me back to this topic of the Holy Spirit. Remember I said about three weeks ago, four weeks ago, I said, you know, he's not letting me go. He's not letting this message go. He's going to continue to bring it up because he's stirring something in us to value the Holy Spirit and value his presence in our life so that he can break through. Because he's got to break through us first before he breaks through into our community. I believe that. If we can't break through our mindsets, then how's he going to break through into the community's mindsets? Because he chooses to surrender himself and submit himself to his church to break out. 
But you and I are the ones that need to be seen for people to see God. The Bible says that they will know him by your love. Come on. Your love for one another and your love for your community. And if we don't have that context, for me, I don't know what we're going to do, right? If we can't understand that God has equipped us already in a place of unity, equipped us with all the tools that we need, everything to be able to see revival break out, then we're not going to understand the importance of the message of the Holy Spirit and how God will break out through us. So let's, let's kind of pull all this together for us in a topic. Today I kind of want to look at this, I think I'm on, this whole message around the Holy Spirit and the word tongues, okay? So we're going to talk a little bit about tongues today. Now, all of a sudden, I just felt someone go, ooh, tongues. And some of you just went, and you switched off, right? But I'm going to pull you back in because we're going to pray. So let's stand up for a moment. It's not going to be awkward in any way, shape, or form because I respect you all too much. But I want to talk about this in reverence the way that the Holy Spirit reveals himself through Scripture. And then how he reveals himself through us. And that's through the gift of tongues. So Father, we just come before you. Lord, we set our mindset aside. In fact, Lord, our mindset around this area, we surrender it to you. We want to be taught afresh today from the scripture. We want to be taught afresh by your Holy Spirit. So Lord, Father, the words that I speak, if they are not from you, let them fall to the ground, never to be listened to again. But the words that come directly from you, Lord, may they achieve their, their, their task. May they accomplish that which, which you sent them. May they not return to you void. May they pierce our hearts. But I thank you for a breakthrough in this area for each and every one of us. Because we all need, Lord, to be encouraged in this area. In your mighty name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may take your seats. I strongly believe that Throughout history, this is the one topic that the enemy has attacked over and over and over again. So much so that the church lost all reference for it. All reference for the Holy Spirit and the gift of other tongues has been lost or was lost over a period of history. And I praise God that through the holiness movement and then the Pentecostal movement and then the charismatic movement and now today that God has reinstated this amazing gift to help us. Do you understand? Like, like, how important is it when you look at this from a strategy point of view, is it that the enemy takes out the one key element that makes us powerful? If, if, if I was strategizing for war and someone had nuclear bombs... I would be straight away trying to eradicate their ability to use them. Well, that's how important the Holy Spirit is. And, and in particular, this gift of speaking in other tongues. How important it is, it's like a nuclear bomb that will go off in your life and in your city when you unpack it and understand it. Okay? So I fear that the enemy's got people kind of uh, blind probably a good word when they see the holy spirit and this particular word in the scriptures because what happens is we look at this word with a context or a lens across 
And that lens is generally formed in our own opinion or the opinion of those who have taught us before. But the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is the teacher. True? And if we don't submit ourselves and surrender ourselves to his teaching, then what we do is we limit our perspective to man's perspective. I do not want to be caught in my own perspective, right? My perspective, human perspective, is going to lead me astray every day of the week. Now, the the gift of the Holy Spirit, if I can't talk honestly about it, it, let me testify for a moment. If I did not have the gift of the Holy Spirit and the ability to speak in other tongues, I would not be here today. This gift is that important. I, I, I can't preach. And oh, he said, yeah, I know that. I can't teach. I, I don't know how to exhort. I do not know how to bring a corrective word. And I don't know how to bring people to a place where they can accept Jesus. I can't do any of that. Because I'm that shy kid, right, that would hide the moment someone put the spotlight on me. I would run out the door. It's like Peter, the moment Jesus went to the cross. You all remember this story. Around the fire bin. Hey, isn't that guy, isn't he one that was with Jesus? He has to be. He was a Galilean. He has to be. He's, he, he speaks with a funny accent. And three times, Peter denied Jesus. That was me. The same as Peter, not able to stand up and proclaim Jesus, not able to stand up and... I had no conviction of what was truth in my life. Fast forward till I was about 21 years old and I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the ability to speak in other tongues and my ministry went... My confidence... Now, God did some amazing things in that. He, He stuck me in a job... That made me have to speak to people. So I was selling things. But that's in the natural, in the supernatural, in the spirit, God hit me with something that I cannot not speak about. I have to speak about the gift of the Holy Spirit. It is so important for me to help me unpack why I am the person I am today. Without the witness of the Spirit in my life, I would not be in this church and I would not be speaking here to you today. And the reality is, if the Holy Spirit wasn't leading you, you wouldn't be here either. Hmm. All right. So so we have to unpack this, this topic. And for some of you, you're like, yes, let's get into it. We need tongues. We've got to get into this, right? Some of you are like, we've got to do this because this is what God's leading. And others, you're sitting back and you see, going, oh my gosh, why did I come to church today? And others are online going, oh man, I wish I, was, should have, I wish I'd gone into church today. And yeah, you should have come in. Yep. And others are sitting back going, oh man, I can turn Pastor Steve off. I don't have to listen to this because I don't want it. But the reality is, let's not turn it off. Lean into it. Let's lean into all Jesus has for us. Yeah? The enemy will render us powerless when we have no reference for the Holy Spirit. Let's get into the readings. Okay, now I'm starting. That was just introduction, all right? We're going to get into the readings. First reading for us here, Acts chapter 2, 1 to 4, classic scripture, Pentecost scripture, right? When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Everyone say together. One place. Okay, but not on our couch. 
And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues, everyone say tongues, as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. Each one, everyone say each one. Okay, and they were all filled, everyone say all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now we know this is, uh, this is what's going on They're in the upper room. There's 120 of them. The disciples are there. All the Marys are there. Martha's probably there. There's 120 of them all up in the room and they're seeking God. They're, they're, they're looking at the Old Testament. They're praying. They're worshipping. They're singing hymns. All sorts of things going on. But they're seeking God. Jesus told them to tarry in the city, in Jerusalem, until they receive what? A good encouragement? Good encouragement. It's got to be good encouragement. Power from on high. Jesus said, power from on high. And this is how the Bible describes it. This is what happened when they received power. You understand? Okay, that's just the first reading. Second reading. Do you want me to read all this? See all this red here? Look at it all. Can I read all that to you? Yeah? You're, you're like scripture? All right. There's 25 verses. 1 Corinthians 14. You can turn there in your Bibles. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1 to 25. I'm going to go through it as quickly as I can. Here we go. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Everyone say earnestly. I've earnestly wanted to give you this word. Now God's telling me to earnestly seek what? Spiritual gifts. Right. Here we go. Earnestly seek or earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to the people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in the tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. Is Paul, just a pause for a minute, pause. Is Paul saying, don't speak in tongues? What's Paul saying? Eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, inclusive of speaking in other tongues and prophecy. But what the church has done is, we're going to pursue prophecy because we have no reference for tongues. It was really uncomfortable to learn how to speak English. For some of you that English is your second language, you would have felt really funny the first time you started to say English words. For me, I was a little baby, right? And I would go, ba 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 Okay? Papa. Or I would go, mum, pulling on mum's dress. Wouldn't I? Now that's uncomfortable and awkward for the adult in the room watching a baby do that. But for the parent in the room, think about this. For the parent, the first time your child spoke, it was adorable, wasn't it? The first time they said your name, mum or dad, you fell in love over again. You, you adored that child and you celebrated that child. Speaking in tongues is exactly the same as that. The moment the gift of tongues comes on you, you don't have a fully-fledged language. You've got to develop that language by faith. The same way you have to develop an earthly language. 
why do we rob God of the opportunity to adore you, us? Because we feel uncomfortable. I'll let that settle, because maybe that just went over some of us in the room. Why do we rob God of the opportunity to be in adoration of his sons and daughters because we feel awkward? Hmm. Keep reading this passage. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets, so that the church may be built up. Now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? If even lifeless instruments such as the flute or the harp do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is played? And if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? We had the bugle last week. Who was encouraged for that? So with yourselves, if with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different languages in the world, and none is without meaning. But if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker and the speaker a foreigner to me. So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, everyone say manifestations of the Spirit. We are eager for the manifestations of the Spirit, right? That's a good thing. Strive to excel in building up the church. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit and I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you are saying? For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than you all, or all of you. Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. In the law it is written, my people or by people of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners will I speak to this people. And even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Verse 22. Thus tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. While prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. Scratch your head for a minute, because that's an interesting verse. <coughs> hmm. And then, verse 23. If therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are out of your minds? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all and is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so, falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. Did you hear a contradiction in that? How can that be? Is the Bible fallible? Are there any contradictions in the Bible? So there can't be a contradiction in what Paul's saying. Can there? If, if the gift of tongues is for the, if the, if tongues, not the gift of, if tongues is for the unbeliever and prophecy for the believer, how then when we are speaking in other tongues in the church context and an unbeliever comes in through the door, 
Why then would he look at us and say, you are all out of your mind and slam the door and walk out the door? That sounds like a contradiction. That's a sign for the unbeliever, isn't it? No. Paul's using different context in the same passage of Scripture. He's using different meanings in the one. What happens is, I'll get to this in a minute, Paul doesn't say, don't speak in tongues. Paul doesn't say, the unbeliever is not going to receive it. He says, there's differences. If tongues is for the unbeliever, then he's giving us one context. And then if tongues is for the believer, the unbeliever is not going to understand it. There's two different things going on here. Can you understand? There's a contradiction in his words if we look at it from the basis of one tongue, one use. Does that make sense? Now, I'm going to ask you a question. Is tongues written in the Bible? Yes? Is the word tongues in the Bible? Yes. Should we avoid talking about it? No, because we want to teach the whole word, right? So let, let me go through these really quickly for you. Today I want to teach, not for knowledge's sake, but to inspire. I want to exhort, and I want to release a passion in you for spiritual things. I believe the Lord wants us to know that we are being ripped off in our Christianity if we are neglecting a vital part of this gift, we are neglecting something won for us by Jesus at the cross. There's something in this gift that causes us to walk in victory and triumphant over our enemies. And I believe God wants us to know that tongues have not ceased and in fact are an important part of his commission. We're all in this mission together, right? Thankfully, He's in the lead role. Mark 16 says it this way. I love this passage of scripture. And he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. We all understand that. Verse 17 is the interesting ones, right? And these signs will accompany those who believe. Do we all believe? Okay, well, this is, this is what's going to follow you if you're a believer. In my name, they'll cast out demons. Isn't that interesting? That's the very first one Jesus says. In my name, you will cast out demons. They, this is me and you, followers of Jesus, will speak in new tongues. Who said that? Jesus. Okay, Jesus said, we will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. I find it interesting that Christians don't want the fullness of Jesus. Hmm. They want the ability to cast out demons. They want to touch things and not get hurt. Sometimes we reach too much to touch the fire. Yeah? And we get ourselves burnt. They, they want the ability to heal the sick and raise the dead. But they don't want to speak in other tongues, which is, in fact, the key to all of these things. 
Okay, I, I think. So he, God wants you to know you're being ripped off if you don't speak in other tongues. Our introductory readings was talking about prophecy in tongues, okay? Paul was in relation to tongues talking about one thing with one application. Was he talking about one thing with one application or was he in that passage of Scripture talking about a number of different applications? That's what we're going to unpack. Because the Scriptures have clues in there for us to understand. The second thing I want to say here is that we take time... As we take time to unpack this, God wants you to feel secure in that what is being shared is for today and that he wants to reveal this truth from his word, not just because I told you to go and pray in tongues. Honestly, if I told you all to go and pray in tongues, what would you do? Right? Now, I'll tell you something. Let's use a bit of reverse psychology. If I told you not to pray in tongues, what are you going to do? You're all going to go and pray in tongues. So maybe I should just do that. Don't go pray in tongues because you're going to receive power from on high. See you later. Message over. All of you will go out and you'll all, you'll all pray in tongues and I'll be like, yes, uh, mission accomplished. Because the church will become unified, the church will be the church and Jesus will pour out his glory upon all. It's that simple, right? So let's get over this stubbornness of ourselves And let's move into it and say, well, you know what? I'm open-minded and I want to understand. And I feel secure because God's leading me through Scripture. Does that make sense? Okay. As a leader, as your leader, I cannot refuse to educate you, the body of Christ, about this gift just because some have misunderstood it or misappropriated it. I can't fear that. I I can't hold back on that. I have to teach the whole counsel of God. So as we teach this, I believe God is leading us that he desires all to seek the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the gift of speaking in other tongues. And he's patient. Who knows the Holy Spirit is patient? He's a perfect gentleman, isn't he? And he's a respecter of our decisions, of our free will. So if we say we don't want that, he's going to hold that back. But if we lean into that and say we want the fullness, then he's going to give it. How do I know that? Look at it. Luke chapter 11, verse 9 to 13. This is Jesus. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks, it will be open. I'm going to go backwards there for a minute. How come you can believe for a house... And you can ask and seek and knock for a house in prayer and give glory to God when you receive that. But you can't link that to what Jesus is saying in context. How come you can reach forward and believe that God's going to bless you abundantly and therefore you're going to ask and seek and knock for that and yet you can't ask and seek and knock for the thing that God, Jesus is actually saying that you should ask and seek and knock for? Let's look at it. What's the context? The context is this. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, I love that. Thanks, Jesus, I'm evil. How, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will the heavenly father give the, the 
the, the Holy Spirit to those who ask. But you see, you want the Holy Spirit, but you don't want what the Holy Spirit brings. Am I talking to the right audience here? You want the Holy Spirit, but you don't want to subject yourself to him. The problem is the Holy Spirit only comes in asking, seeking, knocking, which is in fact talking about yielding to God. The Holy Spirit will only come as you yield to him, as you allow him, surrender yourself to him, regardless of what he's going to do. Now, is he not a perfect gentleman? So if I yield myself to him, he will come. The thing is that he usually comes with fire. And I'll talk about that a bit later on. He comes with tongues. He comes with prophecy. He comes with gifts. But we, we all want gifts, right? We all want to move in miracles and we all want to move in healing. But, but there's nine gifts and one of those is speaking in other tongues. And I can't speak in other tongues unless I have yielded to the Spirit. I've yielded my voice box, yielded my tongue, yielded my mouth, yielded myself, my breath to Him. Do you see what I mean? Like We want the Holy Spirit, but we don't want what He brings. But if we can get past the issue of tongues, I really want what He brings. So it's about control. In our readings, we see the word tongues, especially in 1 Corinthians 14. But we've got to see it in context. An example of context is this. One, it's, it's really one word, one word, two contexts. This is 1 Corinthians 14. Thus tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers, while prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. If therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers enter, they will not say that you are, will they not say that you are out of your mind? Of course they will. Because I'm babbling and I'm carrying on and we're all babbling and we're all carrying on and we're doing stupid things and they've got no idea what we're saying. So they're going to look at you and go, you're all crazy, you're all out of your mind, I'm out of here. No one wants that, right? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider comes in, he's convicted by all, he is called to account by all, the secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so failing or falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. Like I said, that, that seems like a contradiction. But when you understand that there's two contexts or two categories that Paul's using here, the first is seen for the unbeliever. It's what happened at Pentecost. It's the disciples spilled out onto the streets, declaring the wonders of God in a, in a tongue or a language they did not learn. And it was heard by those who were passing by. We know that they were all there for the festival, and they were all there from all around. They gathered in Jerusalem, and they all heard the wonders of God in their own language. That's a public display of tongues. Okay? And then he goes on talking about that we're all doing something. We're all carrying on in tongues and babbling and doing all of this sort of stuff, right? And then the unbeliever walks in into what would can be considered a private meeting, private context, where we're all praying in tongues to God. And they're like, I've got no reference to this. You're all crazy. See you later. 
That's the contradiction opened up. First, one is a public display of the gift. The second is a private display of the gift. Brothers and sisters in Christ, gathering in one spirit, praying in one spirit, and reaching out in the gifts of God. The world have no reference for that. They have no reference for the power of God. But they see it and they hear their language on the street and they know you can't speak that. That's a miracle, isn't it? Two contexts or two categories, private and public. And we've got to understand that. But you see, as we unpack that, within the private and the public realm, there's four kinds of tongues. The Bible teaches four kinds. Oh, are you right, Pastor? I'm only thinking there's one kind, the kind that was demonstrated this morning as, as our pastor led us this morning and, and shared a word in tongues and then he led the church to reach out for a word of interpretation. And as we reached out and, and received a word of interpretation, all of a sudden people were blessed. Now that's the only reference I have for tongues because I've been taught that when there's someone gives a word in tongues or if someone speaks because they're not listening to what Paul's saying. Was there an interpreter Present in Acts chapter 2. No. There was someone who heard a translation in their own tongue, in their native tongue. There was no interpreter present. Okay, so what we've got is tongues is a sign to the unbelievers. There's no interpreter there. There is no need for an interpreter, is there? Because they understand it themselves. The second is the one, the demonstration we had this morning. Tongues for a interpretation. Now that's not tongues for translation, that's tongues for interpretation. The difference being, one is a generally, I won't say it all the time, but generally, the first one is, a, is an earthly language. The second one is genuinely and generally a heavenly language. One we don't know. We can't give a direct translation for it because we don't speak it. But we, the Spirit can give an interpretation through someone for it. The difference in that. The third thing there that we see, they're the they're, those first two are the public display. So if someone comes in and they don't understand the second one, they don't understand that something's just happened and they're like, what is happening here? And then the interpretation comes, the prophecy hits them in the heart. They'll fall on their face and they will give glory to God. That's a public display. The, the second two, the, the, sorry, the last two, tongues for personal prayer and tongues for intercession is usually where people get caught up and they don't have a reference for it. So we're going to look at this a little bit now. Are we all okay? Like, is this helping people? Because I'll stop if you want me to. Oh, good. No one wants me to stop. Awesome. Okay, so the reason I... Because I want to respect you. I don't want to be ever guilty of just saying, go and pray in tongues or go and speak in other tongues. I want to bring you on this journey so that you have a reference point for it. I want to bring you to it so that you can see that Scripture has been misconstrued to us. And it's because, usually it's because the enemy has robbed our understanding of it because we try and bring a human perspective to the supernatural. We can never understand the supernatural with human minds, can we? We can only ever understand the supernatural by faith. Thankfully, faith is our measure and it comes from our spirit. There's four kinds of tongues. 
So let's look at these two categories. The first is the public use, and there's two. The tongues as a sign, tongues for interpretation. The first one I've already discussed, 1 Corinthians 14.22 and Acts chapter 2, verses 5 to 11. This is for public demonstration. All right? It's for the mission. It's to, it's to bring the, the, the supernatural to a place where humanity can understand. A reference point, because I can't speak another language. I can only speak Australian. I can't even speak English. I try and I fail miserably. Okay? But, you know, some of you have got multi-languages and that's a great thing. Well, I can't do that. Don't get caught up in the thinking and understand. So the gift of tongues, we see it here. It's where the Holy Spirit transcends our intellect and gives us the ability to speak another language of this earth. The demonstration is powerful. Get this. This is why the enemy wants to rob us of our understanding of tongues. 120 multiplied to 3,120 in one moment when Peter preached because of the sign of the gift of tongues. 120 in one moment went to 3,120 because of this gift. If we have no reference for tongues, all of a sudden we've limited the power of God to be able to reach the lost. Well, that's powerful. I'll give you an example of this. Like I say, most of the time I believe this should be outside of the church, but God is gracious and he wants to lead his people. And he wants to lead his people the way they will be led at times because he's got to help lead them into understanding. So sometimes we've had opportunities where messages have been given in tongues and it wasn't a heavenly language, it was actually an earthly language. I can remember two occasions, and Graham reminded me of a third between our services today. What, what, what happened was, in, in our meetings, uh, a person stood up and gave a message, and they spoke an earthly language that they'd never learnt. This was crazy. Like, I'm like, that is an earthly language, that's not a heavenly language. The moment I heard it, I couldn't work out what it is, because I don't speak it. Afterward, I talked with the lovely, uh, the late... Mrs. Lockridge, Margaret Lockridge, most of us remember her. And um, she, she happened to have studied ancient Greek and Latin. First time she'd done it, she said that was ancient Greek and they spoke it fluently. And I went, wow. And that encouraged her in the gifts of the Spirit. Isn't that interesting? The second time it was Latin. Different occasions, different time spans. It was Latin. And she told me, she came up to me, she said, she says, Steve, I just want you to know that that person that gave that message in tongues tonight, that, that was in Latin. And again, that spoke to me because God can speak through another person in a language that I can understand. I went, wow. And then Graham said to me, they were there meeting one time over at, when we were at Driver for a prayer meeting and someone gave a word in tongues. And again, Margaret Lockridge was there and she went up to him and said, that person just gave a message in Latin three times. And it spoke to her and it led her. How amazing is God that he will lead the one person through this gift. But he does this more so if we as the body open ourselves up to step out in faith and speak to people we don't have a reference for. Like, I, I, I can't understand speaking to someone a language that I don't know, but then I hold myself back of speaking to someone that has trust that God's going to use my words. 
it's not much more of a step to say that God's going to use me to speak a language that person can understand. That's faith, right? Stretches us. So that's tongues as a sign. And I, gave you a, I tried to give you a, a real-life example there. Tongues is interpreta- for interpretation. We saw that this morning in operation. Okay? And genuinely, I believe we should leave that time the best that we can because we have to lead our people on that journey. Not everyone walking in that door understands that if someone gives a message in tongues that we've got to reach out for an interpretation. Also, you might not understand that you can get the interpretation. You know you can get the interpretation? Shall I talk about that a little bit? Let's look at it. 1 Corinthians, um, tongues for intercession. No, where are we up to here? Tongues for interpretation. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 to 11 says, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Mm. So it's a good thing the manifestation of the Spirit comes. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit. Everyone say one and the same. Who apportions to each one individually as I will. That's not what it says. It apportions to each one individually as he wills. Okay. So what am I saying? They are spiritual gifts and therefore spiritual in nature. What we tend to do is we put a natural man, woman thinking upon a supernatural passage of scripture. And this is how it works. I can believe for a supernatural move of faith, can't I? I believe there are people in this room that have experienced or encountered a supernatural spiritual gift of faith to receive that which they were praying for. Okay, Whether it's a breakthrough for a loved one, someone coming through and coming off of drugs or something like that. I think we've all encountered faith that's beyond ourselves. I, I can get a reference for that, right? Hmm. But what happens is, Rodney, the Lord has touched you and blessed you, brother, and you've got the gift of healing. From now forth, from henceforth, from now on, you're going to lay hands on the sick and they're going to get well. John, you've got the gift of tongues. Various kinds of tongues and you're going to be Mr. Webb, the guy who turns up to church and gives a word in tongues every week. And forbid if Mr. Webb doesn't turn up to church, there's not going to be a gift of tongues given that day. And sister, oh, hmm, sister Vanessa, you've got the gift of interpretation. So Mr. Webb has to look around the church and make sure that you're sitting in your chair so that he's empowered to give a gift of tongues so that you can interpret it. What we do is we look at these gifts and we say, I have, I have. And we look at it from the perspective of it belongs to me. These gifts don't belong to anyone. They belong to the Holy Spirit because they are of him. And he gives to whoever he wills at any time that he desires, providing we are yielded to him. What does that mean? Well, that means I can turn up to church and I could be yielded to the Holy Spirit and he could use me to give a gift of tongues or a word of prophecy 
or he could work through me to release healing or release a miracle or give a word of knowledge, something that I'm not supposed to know, but I know. Why? Because he wills to make himself known and he chooses to do it through us. The moment I take that gift and say it belongs to me, I've undermined scripture and I'm in error. The gifts belong to the Spirit because they are of Him and He determines how He will distribute them. So you could be witnessing on the street and you need a gift of healing and He gives a gift of healing and that person's miraculously healed. The same person can walk into church and say, you know what, I'm just full of the Holy Spirit today. And all of a sudden as he's worshipping, he burns inside and there's this message inside of him. But he's too scared to give that message. So what does he do? Well, he stands up. And the pastor says, come on, keep it going. Keep it going. Keep it going. And it goes. And the pastor looks around and goes, sister, will you interpret that? And you're like, oh, no. But you've got the same spirit. You've got the same spirit. You've got the same spirit, the same, the same, the same, the same, the same. It's not linked to the gift. It's linked to the spirit. Does that make sense? So that's the gift of interpretation, tongues for interpretation. It's one gift of the nine that are supernaturally available to us when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit. But the Pentecostals believe and we teach that the usual or initial evidence of the gift of the Spirit on someone's life is generally speaking in other tongues. And if our reference is that that's going to be interpreted, we've missed the point. Because it's more than that. It's not the public display. It's not the public realm. That gift is for the private realm. It's the tongues for personal prayer. Do you understand? There's a difference here. Paul uses these words interchangeably. I speak in tongues more than you all. I um, pray, with the, pray with the Spirit and pray in the mind. Sing in the Spirit. Sing in the, he's using different terms in the one passage of Scripture to help us understand there's two categories. One is personal, one is public. And when we understand there's a personal gift of tongues... We can then ask the question, what's it for? Does that make sense? What is this private use tongues for? Okay. Gift of tongues. Verse 14 says, For I, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What if I'm what am I to do? Well, I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. He's not saying don't pray in the spirit, he's saying to do it. Do it, do it, do it. And then pray in the mind also. That means pray in your own language. And then he goes on. I'll pray in my mind also. I'll sing praise with my spirit and I'll sing praise with my mind also. But, but then we get this verse 2 that says, For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. Again, it's because it's the same spirit at work. I can be here in the church. I can be praying in tongues in my worship. That is a private conversation between me and God while I'm in a corporate environment. I can also 
speak to God at that time, again privately. And then, as he leads, I can speak publicly in this gift. Does that make sense? Help unpack the differences is what Paul's really saying here. But then seek the interpretation. If there's no interpreter in place, you get the interpretation. You reach out for it. Why? Because it's the same spirit. Okay? He's got the message burning. But Paul commends us to pray in the spirit, which is the heavenly language, and in our known tongue at the same time. Well, not at the same time, but one after the other, alternate. Speaking in tongues and praying in tongues is private action between you and God. Let me unpack this a little bit. Jude, the brother of Jesus, writes in his, his, his writing, his epistle. In verse 20 and 21, he says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. You heard me say at the start, if I didn't have the Holy Spirit and the ability to speak in other tongues, I wouldn't be here. This is the single most key, I believe, as why Christians fall out fellowship and then eventually fall into the world. Because they're not building themselves up in their most holy faith and they're not praying in the Spirit continually. It's about building up and edifying you and keeping you intimate with God. Let me explain this a little bit more. Intimacy is an important thing, but intimacy should not be a public display. Is that right? I'll give you a couple of things to think about, and then I'll get to the big one. The first is this. When I'm praying in the Spirit, God is building myself, and He's edifying me. When I give a word in the Spirit, He's edifying the church. Does that make sense? So, it's okay edify yourself in the spirit. Whoever told you that you don't matter lied to you. Because you can't edify anybody if you haven't been edified first. You can't love anyone unless you love yourself first. Is that right? <laughs> if we can understand it when it comes to love, how can we can't understand it when it comes to building ourselves up in our most holy faith, which is to speak in other tongues? Right. So if that's the case... Let's look at it this way. Intimacy is about yielding to something, someone usually, as the Spirit leads. Think about it this way. Like a couple, a male and a female, dancing to the music. Who, who, who likes dancing with the stars? Well, we've got a couple, a couple of brave people that say that. Yeah. Isn't it amazing when you see two people dancing to the music in time? How beautiful is that? Well, that's what speaking in, the t in tongues or praying in the Spirit is all about. It's all about being moved by the Holy Spirit upon His dancing and His wind because He's known as breath, right? He's the wind of God. What about this one? Um, I better look at this again so I don't forget it and tell it to you wrong. The, the person who is jumping off a cliff and they're hanging onto a hang glider. A lot of Christians are like this. Okay? They jump off the cliff and it's a ball. 
They're, they're led by God and it's all new and it's all fresh and it's all amazing, right? And off they go. They're flying, but really they're gliding. It's a difference, isn't it? They're gliding. It's not going to take long and they're going to fall. The hang glider keeps them there, but eventually they're going to land. But someone who knows how to fly a hang glider or glide them will find the updrafts and they'll rise. And then they'll come and they'll fall and they'll find another one and they'll rise. This is what praying in the Spirit is for the Christian. It keeps you up in that place where God can speak to you and where your trust is completely in Him because He's guiding you. That's what the updraft of the Spirit is all about. It's about lifting us up and moving in Him. Can you get that picture? It's about being surrendered to Him. Now, I'm happy to jump off the cliff, trusting Jesus all the way. And Jesus is going to make sure that if I don't land properly, I'm going to spend my eternity with Him. Right? That's where my faith is. That's where my trust is. I know that's going to happen because my life is not just in this world. It's, it's, it's an eternal life. But how much more is my life going to be beneficial if I catch the updraft of the Holy Spirit? How, how much longer is my, my lifespan going to be as I catch His wind and His breath and, and the warmth of Him and the fire as I, as I trust in Him? Well, I'm not going to plummet straight to the earth. I'm going to be led in His purposes. Does that make sense? The third one is, is really, <laughs> there's two ways to enter a river. You can wade into the river and stand in it, and, and a lot of people enter church like that. I'm going to stand in the presence of God, and nothing's going to happen to me. And that's how you turn up to church. Other people, they just jump right in, right? And they're subject to the current of the river. Now, the Bible talks to us about a current that comes from heaven, the, the river that flows from the throne room itself. And it's a picture of the Holy Spirit. And I opened that up a little bit when I talked about the Holy Spirit water. It's some of us are just dipping our toes in Him when He really wants us just to yield and jump in and be taken by the current. Does that make sense? But this one here is even more important. I don't want to get weird. I don't want to get creepy or... It's not creepy. Um, gooey. You get caught up in intimate language. But this one's the best analogy that you can take. And that's of a husband and a wife. Your relationship with God is to be that intimate that you are to be father and son or father and daughter. But we've got to look at it from a husband-wife intimacy without getting creepy and weird, right? Intimacy with a man and a woman ordained by God cannot be before marriage. Is that right? We would all agree to that. We all understand our Bible. You can't be intimate with a woman. Guys, you, you can't be intimate with a woman unless you're married. It's that simple, right? We, we all understand that. When I'm married, is my intimacy supposed to be on public display? By no means. My intimacy with my wife is supposed to be between me and her and in a private place. Is that right? This is the same with tongues when it comes to the prayer language of tongues. This is the language of intimacy that God has given you that is supposed to be between you and Him speaking the intimacies of your spirit, your innermost being. There's nothing more intimate than that. Nothing. 
Not even the love of a husband and wife is more intimate than what can be seen through praying in other tongues between a son and his great father. The intimacy there, praying in the spirit, where this comes from and it births up, is a language that only God understands. You don't even understand it. Yet it comes from you. And he makes it known to you. That's what intimate prayer is all about. As you, you have this moment with him, praying in the spirit, there's nothing more inter- intense and intimate about it. It's just, it's, it's, no one can understand it. The beauty of it is, neither can Satan. The moment I speak in English and I speak out loud, Satan knows the languages of the earth. He knows them. He doesn't know the language that my father has given me personally. It's mine. It's the only thing that's mine. The only thing that I have an intimacy between him. and There's no wonder the enemy wants to undermine our strategy and get us just praying in our only language. When I'm praying in my spirit, I am praying directly to heaven and the only one who can understand me is God himself. That's enough for me to say that's enough to pray in tongues constantly. Would I be a good pastor if I told husbands and wives in the room that now you're a Christian, you can't go and have sex with your wife? I would not be a good pastor, would I? But if my fear was that the world has so corrupted sex that you are corrupted because you're going to be intimate with your wife, then I'm running in fear. And I'm leading you in fear. No, my encouragement to you if you are married is go and be intimate with your wife or your your husband. Why? Because I want to see kids, right? And I also want to see that your love for another, for each other, cannot be broken. Your bond is completely together. And that's the beauty of sex in marriage. Now, sex outside of marriage, sex where it's before marriage, for example, you think, oh, it's getting intimate. No, that's taboo because it's not intimacy. It's illegitimate. And it's not intimacy, it's lust. It's out of context. Sex in the public is not right, is it? It's corrupted. But between a husband and wife, it's beautiful. So this one, personal prayer, should be guarded as intimately as your marriage is guarded, or your desires for marriage, or what you hope for other people's marriages. Does that make sense? When we bring it to that point. And why wouldn't I use this gift to understand and unpack the mysteries of God more? The last one is this, tongues for intercession. Romans 8, 26 to 27 says this. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Ah, that should be enough. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. I'm weak every day. I'm weak every day. But He helps me in my weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. Have you ever been in that place where you don't know what to pray Constantly. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. That's another word for tongues right there. 
for, for language that you cannot just, like, you ever had those times where you just want to pour out to God and you haven't got enough language to express yourself? We are, an, we are a finite being approaching an infinite being. We, we don't know the beginning from the end. He knows the beginning from the end. How could, whoever suggested we could approach God with all of our knowledge and all of our wisdom and, and think that we've got it all together? How limited are our prayers in our language and our knowledge and our understanding? Get out of our head and into the spirit and all of a sudden we tap into something supernatural, something that's eternal, something that is alive and something because it's empowered by the Holy Ghost who is God, we are now intelligent before God. And he helps us to unpack those intimate and deep things from inside. How much more is it when we approach God, when we're praying in other tongues, in particular in the intercession stage, should we be relying upon the Spirit? I'll finish this scripture. And he who searches the hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So when you're interceding in groanings of the flesh and in tongues, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit's interceding on your behalf because he knows the depths of your heart, and he knows the will of God, and he brings them together. An example um, is that our knowledge is limited. Who's ever been prompted to wake up in their sleep to pray? Yeah? Awesome. Okay. It's always at the most inconvenient time, isn't it? One thirty when you're just starting to hit that deep sleep, or 3 o'clock in the morning when you know you've only got an hour and a half or two to get up. And you're like, God, it's so inconvenient right now. But you've got this urge and you know you want to pray. But you, how many times is it that you don't know what you're praying for? So what do you do? Well, number one, if, if you don't believe in tongues, you pray for the things that you think are important. And generally, that's going to be led by the things that you love. Okay? But when you genuinely are interceding in the Spirit, He's going to be praying the thing that God wants you to pray about. When you're interceding in the Spirit and you're groaning and you're on the floor or however your intercession goes, uh, sometimes I, I remember I've, I've sounded like I'm an Asian guy and I'm like a Japanese guy. I'm not speaking Japanese. I've got no idea what Japanese sounds like. But I sound like I'm a Japanese person, militant person, about to cut someone's head off with my samurai sword, Right? Like you, you, that's not weird. Just telling you what it's like when you're interceding. Sometimes you're groaning on the floor and you've got no idea why. Sometimes you're in the spirit so much that you just, uh, two hours goes past and you think it's 10 minutes. Right? Am I speaking to the converted here? Isn't it nice when you find out that you were praying for a, an older man who might have been having a heart attack? Or you were praying for a younger man or a younger woman that was holding a gun to their head and about to pull the trigger. And the Holy Spirit used you in the seed for that particular moment to stop that from happening. Isn't it interesting that you could be interceding for a loved one and you have no idea what's going on in their life because they live thousands of miles apart. They could even live in a different country and you're interceding the perfect will of God for them 
and you don't even know it. And yet, our strategy is to not speak in tongues. Come on. Like, for me, it's just like, we're greater than this, right? God has got a greater purpose than this. All right. I'm going to conclude here. Thank you for sticking with me in this because I feel that this is important to lead us into where the Lord's leading us. John Bevere wrote this. Communion with the Holy Spirit is one of the many blessings made available to us through Jesus' death and resurrection. But the experience of this full measure of communion does not automatically occur at the moment of salvation. Sadly, many believers are not enjoying certain aspects of the gift of salvation. It is vital that we pursue all God has for us, discovering all that Jesus died to give us is a huge part of the journey in Christ. The Holy Spirit is the one that empowers and equips us for our kingdom assignments. If we, if we forsake the gifts made available to us by the Spirit, we forgo both deeper intimacy with God and a measure of the power we need to serve Him well. So we've got four areas. I want to conclude today by asking or answering a question that I get asked often. This question is, can you be filled with the Spirit and not pray in tongues? Yes, you can. But I want to add to this statement something that not only have I believed for a long time, I've read recently again in the same thing that John Bevere wrote. Every person filled with the Holy Spirit has the ability, the ability to pray in tongues. The reason you may not experience this is because you have yet to yield to the Spirit's lead and to what Scripture reveals. Tongues is the usual initial sign of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And second to this, I believe prophecy can be also. At that moment, the Holy Spirit opens up in you a unique prayer language that needs to be fostered. It's the same way your child or your children or the children in our bilbies need their language fostered as they come through school and they learn their language. The Holy Spirit teaches us our intimate language, God. And because we approach things from a human perspective, we reason this away. And I was guilty of this. We reason it away because we approach the supernatural with natural thinking. I believe we should naturally approach the supernatural to have ourselves transformed. The supernatural should become natural for who we are because we are born after the Spirit of God because of what Jesus did. Our reference point should not be the flesh. Our reference point is the supernatural. That's what happened at, the, at Pentecost. That's what happened in the book of Acts. That's what happened as the church expanded. And it's what's going to happen as God leads us into this last end time revival. If we limit God by our own limited understanding... We will miss his purposes for each and every one of us. 
Church, we all know, can I invite the band? I want to finish with a song today. I think we need to sing. We all know John 3.16, right? You know John 3.16? How about you? Tickle my ears. Give me John 3.16. Keep going. No, go back again. For God so that he, his one and only son, But have, ah, oh, we all know that scripture, mostly, but that's okay. We understand it when we hear it, right? John 3.16, for God so loved the world, and I'm part of the world, so God so loves me. <laughs> do, do you all know Luke 3.16? <laughs> Why do we remember John 3.16, but not Luke 3.16? Because it's not about love. We all love the love passages, right? God so loves me. We love that. I love it. Luke 3.16. John answered them all saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming. The strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. What happened in the day of Pentecost? Like, let's humor ourselves for a minute. The 120 were up in the upper room and they were crying out to God. God, you've got more for us. You said that the promise would come. They had no reference for it. But here they were. They stood up. What did the Bible tell them? tells us that happened? As the Spirit was poured out upon them, it was like a sound of a rushing wind. And it was evidenced by tongues of fire upon each of them. Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Fire relates to the power of God and you cannot have the power of God without the tongues of God. Come on. You can't take it out of context. The context is that. Tongues is the fire of God. If you want to move in the power of God, you need the tongues of God. That is the intimate prayer language that He's given you so that you can speak to Him. Because God wants to transform the way you think. And He can't do that with your limited thinking because we are dumb. I am the dumbest of the dumb. That is the reality of it all. But when I surrender and I yield to the Spirit of God and I connect with the intimate language that only He and I have, He does something that is miraculous in me and He transforms me and gives me a heavenly perspective. That's the tongues of fire that happened in that day. That's the thing that happened that caused the one who run to run to the crowd and say, this Jesus whom you crucified. <laughs> Peter stood up and 3,000 were saved. Without the Holy Spirit, your neighbor's never going to get saved. Without the Holy Spirit, your brother's not going to be saved. Without the Holy Spirit, your mum's not going to be saved. Without the Holy Spirit, you speaking in other tongues, your, your community's not going to be transformed. Without the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues, surrendering to His will and the power and the fire of heaven and the gifts of the Spirit, your life's going to be so-so. And you'll drop out of Christianity and you'll wonder what it's all about. But I'm here for the power of God and I'm here to see His revival. 
And I'm going to speak it and speak it and speak it and speak it until you capture it. So today as you stand with me and as we conclude in song, I want to challenge you to read those scriptures. I want to challenge you to get in God's face and realize he's not going to give you a stone when you ask him for bread. And he's not going to give you a scorpion when he asks for an egg. That God is going to give you the Holy Spirit when you ask and when you seek and when you knock. And he is going to hit you so hard with the Holy Spirit, you're never going to look back. That's why the disciples went to their death. That's why they could stand up and be martyred for their king. Because they were empowered by God to do so. I will run every day of the week away from fire. But when God is upon me, I'll run to it. Yeah? Because there's not a courageous bone in my body. But I tell you, when the fire of God hits, there's a courageous bone. You understand? Church, stand with me this morning. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we want nothing but you. Holy Spirit, we reach out to you this morning because we want the fire of heaven. Holy Spirit, we reach out to you this morning because we want our thinking transformed. We, we don't want to be limited by our own thoughts. We want to be led by your scripture and by the mind of Christ. Jesus, you commanded that we tarry in the city until we were empowered from on high. Well, Lord, let the tarrying begin. Father, I pray that you would build such a hunger in this house for the, for the more of your spirit, that it will build and it will build and it will build. And Lord, that people on their beds will receive the gift of speaking in other tongues as the Holy Spirit baptizes them with fire. In their own living rooms, at their kitchen sinks, in their workplaces, Lord God, that they would learn to understand what Jesus said through the Apostle Paul when he told us and commanded us to pray without ceasing. But Lord, I can't pray without ceasing, but in the Spirit, I continually pray because my spirit never sleeps. Lord God, we want you and you alone. We need you. We need your Spirit. We need the Gospel. And Lord, I pray today that the Gospel will be declared aloud by those who are empowered with your spirit. Raise up a confidence. Raise up a faith standard in our lives. As you burn in us, Lord, as you burn afresh in our, your mighty name, Jesus. Let's sing, guys. Let's praise our Lord in one song. Bless you as you leave today. Spend time in the Word. Spend time on your